Hey, I'm back. Uh, welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. Appreciate all of you. I had to go grab a note. Uh, details here that I want to dive into. I've uh, been out in Phoenix, Scottsdale area for the past week, basically. Uh, had an absolute stellar time out there. Clay and Buck is number one in that market, and it was a awesome time at the Super Bowl. Was great to go see the Eagles and the Chiefs. Was fantastic to be right on the Chiefs uh, winning despite being the underdog. You give me Patrick Mahomes as an underdog, I'm going to take him pretty much every time. I think that's where the value is. As well as Jalen Hurts played, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were simply better, particularly in the second half. Uh, And so now the question becomes, and I think it's a good one, how many Super Bowls is Patrick Mahomes actually going to win? He's 27 years old. He's got two. Here's my answer. You can put me down for five. I think he will go to eight. I think he will win five. So that is a monster number. Uh, Anybody going after Tom Brady and trying to get to 10 Super Bowls and winning seven, I think it's going to be very difficult because of Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Deshaun Watson before he was uh, accused of sexual assaulting 30 different women. Um, There's a lot of talent at the quarterback position in the AFC, and I think it's going to be difficult for the Chiefs to manage to continue their reign of excellence. But uh, that is how I would assess Patrick Mahomes a couple days after. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. He makes the most plays. Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs moved on from Tyreek Hill, won a Super Bowl without him. That is very strong endorsement of Brett Veach and their entire team's ability to potentially remake in real time a roster built around Patrick Mahomes. uh, Even because remember, in order to have that longevity, that level of excellence, which moves into your 20s and 30s and 40s, you have to remake the roster multiple times. Brady didn't have consistent receivers that were excellent with him throughout his 20-plus year career because wide receivers, tight ends, offensive linemen, none of them can have, typically, any kind of longevity compared to a quarterback. So you have to go back and constantly be adding a lot of elite talent around the quarterback position uh, so that you can continue to win at a high level for years and years to come. But given the fact that the Chiefs have been to five straight AFC championship games, that Patrick Mahomes has yet to play a road playoff game in his career. I know the Super Bowl is a neutral site location, but I mean a true road playoff game. Uh, I feel like five should be the number right now uh, in terms of how many Super Bowls Patrick Mahomes is going to end up winning. But I wanted to start uh, beyond uh, discussing everything that was going on with Patrick Mahomes uh, on this story that came out of the Brookings Institute. Uh, And this was on the front page of the Friday edition of the Wall Street Journal. And I'm going to hold this up so you can see it. Uh, Down here in the corner, number one for misinformation. Uh, That's the story right here that I'm pointing to. Uh, they, at the Brookings Institute, supposedly reviewed all podcasts and made the choice to rank them based on the misinformation that they were providing. Um, And they ranked Clay and Buck third overall in terms of political podcast radio 
most misinformation being spread. Uh, And this was a study released by the Brookings Institute. Uh, Again, it had us in third place. And here's what they said about their methodology. Researchers at Brookings downloaded and transcribed 36,603 podcast episodes from 79 political talk shows that had been released before January 22nd of 2022. This was a long time ago. Uh, Over a year ago, uh, they were looking at what was said on these shows. When researchers compared the show's transcripts against a list of keywords and common falsehoods identified by fact-checkers, uh, they found that we were in third place overall. Uh, they said that 15.4% of our episodes, as well as combined with the Rush Limbaugh show, uh, that, that we had uh, unsubstantiated or false claims. So when I saw this story come out on Friday, I told our staff, I said, hey, let's reach out to the Brookings Institute. Let's allow this study author or any other person employed at the Brookings Institute to come on our program and explain to our audience what misinformation we have been spreading. Uh, And uh, we said you can come on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, wide open, any day. You pick a time. We're on for three hours every day. And we're giving you a runway of the entire week to come on. They said they didn't have the time to come on. Said they couldn't do it. Uh, And so then we've also reached out, so you know, to the New York Times author of this story. uh, And we'll see whether or not he'll come on the show. My guess is that he will not. And the reason why I think this is significant is this is how the sausage is made in a censorious media cancel culture. The, the Look, what happens with the Brookings Institute is they're paid effectively by super rich people to go out and do the work that the super rich people are not willing to do themselves. Then they launder that information through the New York Times in an effort to restrict what people like me are allowed to say because people can't find our content, because the algorithms get adjusted, because they've all presumed and accepted that we are spreading misinformation. Uh, and this is important. Uh, I'm reading a couple of, uh, of paragraphs because this is ultimately what's at play here. The findings underscore the vital role Apple, Google, and a constellation of podcast apps play in connecting disinformation peddlers, evidently I am a disinformation peddler, uh, to their audiences. Researchers sourced shows from Apple podcast lists. Uh, Big tech companies, and this is the crux of, this is the reason this entire article was written. This is the entire reason that Brookings got into this in the first place. Big tech companies have taken a largely hands-off approach to podcast content and avoided the kind of scrutiny that's dogged social networks for years. The companies say they have little responsibility for podcast content because they're effectively search engines connecting listeners to shows but never hosting content. 
The companies have policies that ban hateful language or content that might incite violence. But researchers said those policies were, and I'm reading directly from the New York Times article, vague and poorly enforced, allowing false content to spread. They then reached out to Apple and Google saying, hey, the Brookings Institute said that there is misinformation on these shows. Why are you allowing them to be carried on your podcast networks? Ivy Choi said the company did not recommend shows through its algorithm, this is Google, uh, if they contain, quote, harmful misinformation. A spokesman for Apple declined to comment. Okay, this is how the sausage is made. This is frankly how the fake news takes root. So we offered the Brookings Institute an opportunity to come on our show and actually lay out what misinformation we are sharing on our show. Because the first big issue here is, what is misinformation? How do you define it? What is the difference between a fact and an opinion? How can you even label an opinion, which by its very nature, is that an opinion, as true or false? My opinion is that Patrick Mahomes is going to win five Super Bowls. In 20 years, if he only wins four, that opinion may well end up being wrong, but it's not a misinformation. It's not disinformation. Something is either true or false if it is a fact. Otherwise, it's an opinion. So I want to know, what is the disinformation? What is the misinformation? Brookings Institute won't tell us. New York Times won't tell us. Yet they have already written this entire story attacking our show in an effort to get algorithms adjusted so fewer people will be able to see our content. It's a big deal because a lot of podcast exposure leads to new podcast listeners. And so this is intended to be a direct assault upon our business. And this is why the Supreme Court is hearing a case that I think is so important. Algorithms should all be public because they are editorial decisions. And that. A person designs an algorithm. I could design an algorithm to make our radio show number one in all facets. That would be easy to do on a podcast network. We have tens of millions of downloaders. But I could also design an algorithm that made it very difficult to find our show. What is going on here when big companies say, oh, that's not us, that's the algorithm, they're trying to pass the buck on the fact that they design, implement, and choose which algorithms to feature, which to me is a direct editorial decision. There should be consequences for how these algorithms are designed. And frankly, I believe all of the algorithms should be publicly available data so everyone can see the criteria upon which they are basing these decisions. That's my opinion. Hey, Clay Travis right here. Outkick the show is dominating. We'll continue to roll. More coming back in a moment. But first, this. Because otherwise, you are ending up with a rig job. We're doing our radio show with a 100-pound weight to our back. 
while left-wing podcasters are effectively getting to hop on scooters and go running around all over the place because their information is being favored. This is BS. This is a definition of fake news. When you reach out to someone and actually offer them the opportunity to come on and explain it, they won't do it. The Brookings Institute, in conjunction with the New York Times, laundered a fake story to make it look like a real story so they could have an impact from Apple and from Google to restrict people's ability to find our program. It's a big deal. It's happening all the time. It just happened to us. And some of you out there might say, why even mention this? The answer is because I think it's important to fight back against these lies, against this disinformation, against this misinformation, which is being purveyed by places like the New York Times and the Washington Post, which in my opinion, since the Donald Trump presidential campaign began, have been the largest purveyors of misinformation and disinformation in all of the media, period. Uh, So, this is an important story. Encourage all of you to pay attention to it so you can better understand what is going on. Uh, Nikki Haley has announced for president. What is that impact? I think she's running effectively for vice president. Uh, This is who I think is going to run. I think Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, we know Nikki Haley is now, Tim Scott, Mike Pompeo, and Glenn Youngkin are all going to end up running for president. There may well be others, but I believe that is the seven that are going to be officially in the race. Um, Nikki Haley, I don't think, has an avenue to win. Uh, To me, this race comes down to Donald Trump against Ron DeSantis. That's it. If one of the other of these guys is not the nominee, I am going to be shocked beyond belief. Doesn't mean it can't happen. I've been shocked before. I'm talking to you, by the way, happy Valentine's Day, early in February, mid part of February, and the election first primary is not happening until January of 2024. So we're still looking at 11 months out from that first uh, primary election which will be taking place, in theory, in Iowa. And I know technically it's a caucus, but that's how long that is going to take place. I think Nikki Haley is angling for a vice president role. If I were Trump or DeSantis, and I was considering who I might select as my vice president, I would look at New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, maybe Virginia, Nevada, and uh, uh, Arizona. And I would say, okay, are there any vice presidential contenders, candidates in any of those states that could help me win those toss-up states? If Glenn Young could could deliver Virginia, I think he's a slam-dunk vice presidential selection. If uh, Chris Sununu could deliver New Hampshire, no doubt. Right now, if I were sketching out and you said, okay, Clay, give me the best ticket, I would probably say DeSantis Kemp. Uh, Brian Kemp is the governor of Georgia. He would, beyond a shadow of a doubt, deliver Georgia. If you deliver Georgia back to the Republican camp, and if Republicans win every other state, which I think they would, that they have already won, then you would win the presidency if you could win just two of these states, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Wisconsin, Michigan, Nevada, 
or Arizona. That's six states that I just tossed out there. If you take Georgia off the board, then you only need to win two out of those six states to win the presidency. And honestly, if you won Pennsylvania, you wouldn't even have to wear two, win two. But for the most part, you need to win two out of those six. That, to me, would be a really strong uh, tandem. Now, admittedly, you have two white guys then, and evidently that's unacceptable. Uh, but I like that idea. Uh, if I were trying to sketch out a really good combo. Uh, for Trump, I would be intrigued about whether Sununu would come on board, whether maybe Ron Johnson in Wisconsin would be interested, whether Lombardo in Nevada could deliver Nevada, given how close that race has been. Uh, maybe that would be the best play for Trump. I'm not sure that Nikki Haley uh, makes a lot of sense for VP because I'm not sure she delivers any state different than the one that uh, the Republicans are already going to win in South Carolina. Inflation still at 6.4% under Joe Biden, dropped only 0.1% from, uh, from December, suggests that this is not going to be a rapid fall in inflation. In fact, every single working person out there, just about on average, is making less money every month than they were in the prior month because wages are only up about 4.5% on average and we're talking about inflation at 6.5%. So if you feel like your buying power is being curtailed, it's not, your, uh, it's not completely in your brain, it's real, it's actually occurring um, and you are effectively ending up with a default tax increase as a result of inflation. Uh, so unfortunately, this does not seem like it's fading quickly. Uh, I asked a question, got some amazing responses. Which diversity hire is the worst diversity hire right now? Uh, and I gave you three options. Kamala Harris, who is only vice president because she's black and a woman. Mayor Pete, who is only transportation secretary because he's gay. Or Corrine Jean-Pierre, who is only White House press secretary because she's a gay woman. And right now, let me look at the absolute latest. Nearly 60,000 of you have voted. Uh, and Kamala gets 38% of the vote. Mayor Pete, 36% of the vote. KJP, 26%. My answer is Mayor Pete. Because uh, I think if you look at all the disasters in transportation that are going on, most of us could never name a transportation secretary before the uh, air travel is an unmitigated disaster. We've got trains derailing left and right. Supply chain crisis is uh, awful. And Mayor Pete has basically done nothing. He's focused on there being too many white people in construction. Uh, all of this is laughably absurd. Uh, but I think Mayor Pete, unfortunately, is the worst of all. We continue to shoot down objects while not knowing what those objects are. Three of them have been shot down, one off the coast of Alaska, one in Canada, the other one on Lake Huron in Michigan. What's crazy is we actually missed the first time that we were trying to shoot this object and the missile landed somewhere in Lake Huron, which what an unbelievable mess that is uh, from... Uh, the uh, the Biden administration to miss trying to shoot this thing down 
and end up with a missile in Lake Huron. Uh, so that is where we are, the latest there. Finally, our good friends, the ladies on The View, were praising Patrick Mahomes for winning the Super Bowl because they said, finally, we have clear evidence that a black guy can win the Super Bowl. Evidently, they weren't watching a few years ago when Patrick Mahomes won, and they weren't watching before that when Russell Wilson won, and they must not have any idea that all the way back in 1988, Doug Williams won a Super Bowl as well. Um, This is maybe the most played out falsehood narrative story that continues to get oxygen in all of sports. The top four highest paid quarterbacks, at least right now, are all black. Deshaun Watson was accused by 30 different women of sexual assault, and yet he got the biggest contract guaranteed money in the history of the quarterback position by the Cleveland Browns. Jameis Winston was drafted number one overall, despite the fact that there were credible accusations of rape against him from a former FSU student. All that matters in the NFL is wins. Al Davis was right when he said, just win, baby. That's all that matters. The NFL, if you want to criticize the league, is actually quite clearly biased in favor of talent. Ray Lewis may have killed two people, and he has a statue outside the stadium in Baltimore. Uh, Deshaun Watson was accused of sexually assaulting 30 different women, and he has the largest contract in the history of the NFL. That didn't happen because or in spite of both men being black. It happened because both men make it more likely that their team would win. And so as a result, their overall uh, uh, standard for behavior is much more lenient. So long, I've said this for a long time, but I think it's important. So long as your talent uh, surpasses your problems, you will always be employed in the NFL in particular, which is why I said remains true. Ray Rice would have kept playing as a running back in the NFL if he had hit his fiance on video as he did and been a really still stellar running back. The reality is Ray Lewis out of, uh, stayed in the league and Ray Rice was out of the league because Ray Lewis was harder to replace. Deshaun Watson is in the league despite having been accused of sexual assault by 30 different women because his talent is rare, not because of any other reason. So this idea that black quarterbacks are being discriminated against is just flat out a lie, yet it continues to have a lot of social currency as evidenced by the idiot women on The View and their commentary associated with it. All right, I love all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I got to go hop on and write more on my book. Uh, I appreciate all of you for hanging out with me. This has been Outkick the Show. I'm happy to be back in Nashville and hope that all of you have fantastic Valentine's Days out there across the entire country. Thank you, guys.